I'm Elia Haber for the Beirut Banyan. As I'm running around in Martyr Square with friends who are lost or are there for the first time, I get a call telling me that there's someone I should definitely meet and who is ready for an interview. If you could please give me your name and your profession. My name is Melia Ayash and I am an actor and a professor at AUB. Okay, so Melia, what brings you here today? Um, I've been down every single day save the first, the very first Thursday night. Um, I have been here. I wanted to take part in these protests because I think it's so important to experience society kind of rupturing and uh, having an end to normalcy and status quo. And I really think that it's through this kind of break or this rupture that we could bring about real change. I'd like to take you back to a, a word that you used to describe this moment and you used the word rupture. Yes. We're almost the same age. What makes you feel that this particular moment is a rupture versus all the other uprisings or demonstrations that we've been through? I wasn't here in 2015. I was doing a show in New York, but I think that we couldn't have had this moment without the moments that came before, such as the garbage crisis, such as some attempts to win over the Baladi, such as Beirut Medinati and the Hirak and all of that stuff. This is different. This is really different. I've never experienced anything like it. This is not the same because it's not focused around one specific thing like the garbage, although the garbage was not just about garbage. Garbage is and will always be political. Anyone who tries to convince you otherwise does not really know that garbage is the excess, is the surplus of capitalism. Capitalism needs its garbage. It was back then very political. It died down. And it didn't die down in the way people think it did, but I do think it transitioned from being this smaller, angry, and justified leaderless protests. And more politically-minded people rode the wave of that with attempts to win over the Baladi, with the municipality, with Beirut Medinati, and stuff like that. But this is, this is so different than anything I've ever experienced in my life, because this is, I mean, this is truly the end of the Civil War. And I think that people in Lebanon do not want sectarianism. I mean, it's just so obvious that this is a class struggle and that uh, it's time for things to blow up. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm using such violent language, but it really does feel like a rupture. It does feel like something blowing up, uh, the lid coming off of something. And of course, I want to be here for that. And I think, I think every Lebanese person should be down here. And this has so much resonance outside of Lebanon as well. What's happening in Latin America? is really, really interesting. We are experiencing neoliberalism. We have been experiencing it. Think about all the times you've had to live with this austerity. Yes, yes, please persevere. We're Lebanese and you, you have to pay two electricity bills and not have enough water because this is what it is to live in this day and age. But people know we don't want to live like that anymore. I can't imagine going back to work because I have work tomorrow. And I can't imagine this going back to normalcy. I can't imagine going back to work. And I don't know how it's going to play out. So I think that it will be very interesting. How can we put pressure on the government until we get what we want? How long term is this? Which leaders will emerge from this moment? We can't transition directly from going to work and paying our bills to having a new government. Something like this needed to happen. A lot of people are also contesting how the economy has been handled for the last 
30 years. Do you feel that there's a consensus around that thing or that most people are just talking about a change in cabinets? Well, I have to say that the economic issue is really the crux of it all. Um, it is the economic issue that has made these protests so uh, long-lived and so widespread because it really unites people. It is not a fair and just economic system. It is crony capitalism. It is neoliberalism. So whether or not people have a consensus on how we should go about reforming, I'm afraid to say there is no consensus. That is also what makes it so interesting. What kind of economic reform could we have? Where are the experts on alternative forms of of economic governing? This is this is really the next phase. I think there's something very powerful in that people don't want what we have right now. And even the people supporting uh, the counter-revolutionary parties, uh, they're equally as affected by this economic crisis we've been in. Um, there's only a handful of people benefiting from this economic system. So, What is it that you want to happen next for you to say, okay, things are going well, I'm going to stop going to the streets? Whether or not I go to the streets, I mean, that comes down to also practical issues. How impossible will they make it for us? A new cabinet is not enough. We're really calling for an end of sectarian rule, and that that comes closer to what I want, uh, to what we want. Um, but also, yes, I'd like to see complete economic reform. I'd like to see welfare. I'd like to see a completely different system govern us. But yeah, whether or not we continue to go down to the streets, I mean, that really depends on how hard it becomes and how willing we are, because in the end we need to eat. We don't have the luxury to come down every day. I was here when they broke the tents. I actually waited under the ring. And what I found was really interesting is um, I like spent 200000 on a SIM card to set up Wi-Fi because I like to do those things. I, I like to work with routers and internet and I wanted to give people internet because that's the way people digest um, the news and it's very interesting to be part of a protest and have access to internet and see how it's being received. It's, it's a very interesting mirroring and it's a very interesting way of seeing yourself doing something. I, I don't know, I'm interested in that. So I spent so long working on the internet because you know we can't just hook up a telephone line so it had to be over uh, 4G. And I'd done it the night before the tents were destroyed. So as worried as I was about um, the everyone getting hurt, I really was worried. And I was waiting and I saw it and I saw, I saw everything being broken and people running away. I was also just really, really worried about having wasted 200,000. So I was just worried about getting my money back and I was hoping that they hadn't broken the router. Luckily, the router was still there and we were able to save it, a couple of friends, yeah, a couple of friends uh, were able to save it, but there were speakers that were broken, and it was so hard seeing, it was really hard seeing the destruction. There's always a kind of fear that this might happen. I think it's funny that people were surprised, because why would you be surprised? Why would you be surprised that people use violence? Why are people so surprised that the army uses violence? That's what an army is. It was funny, because tents don't make a movement. And contrary to what a lot of people who watch mainstream media believe, there wasn't that much vice happening in the tents. I mean, I was part of the professor's tent. What was happening in the professor's tent? We were talking 
about how to continue on with teach-ins and classes and work online while still supporting this movement. If that's a vice, really, I don't know, I mean. So knowing that aggression is a way that was used to express dissatisfaction with what's happening here on the streets and that most of the people in power are benefiting from the sectarian system that we have. How do you imagine that we can move into a new system that does not have a sectarian rule? Well, I mean, I think that any kind of transition from the status quo or what we have right now to the system we want, we want, there is going to be aggression used. How will we let ourselves move on? I think one of the first things we have to really come to realize is that there will be aggression. How much of that can we tolerate? Are we going to cry every time that it's used? Are we going to be shocked? Are we going to question everything? Are we going to let ourselves be intimidated, discouraged? So I think that it's quite important that we realize that this is what we're dealing with, a lot of aggression. Um, but at the same time, I think what we have on our side is the ability to disrupt the system, maybe using systematic striking and uh, ways to affect the business class, the ruling class, if we can hit them economically. I teach theater, so I think it's so fascinating just the way the city has been used during this revolution, if you want to call it. I, I don't know if it's a revolution yet because a revolution means that there will be a change in power. So right now it's kind of just an uprising. The way the city has been walked, has been inhabited, new spaces have opened up to us, new spaces that I really don't imagine that it'll be fair when we can't go into the egg anymore or the Grand Theater, although I noticed that they barricaded it today, so. How can we continue to inhabit the city in the same way? I mean, already the air has been so much clearer because there hasn't been traffic all around because we haven't been going to work. I was reading Reddit and there was someone who asked, well guys, do you think that maybe public transportation would be better? And this is what we've been saying for years as people uh, in civil society who know that there's so much corruption behind the reason we don't have decent and reliable public transportation. Who owns the car companies? What about gas? What about, you know, petrol? Who is who is benefiting from the sales of those things? We're exhausted, people. We're really tired. If you haven't come out, come out. Let's start thinking. Start talking politics with your friends. What do you want to see? What is at the root of this problem? Please do not be discouraged when the WhatsApp groups die down, when the only memes you see on the WhatsApp groups were made four days ago, three days ago. How can you continue? Right now is kind of a portal that has opened up for us. This is, this is a way to get somewhere else. We can shift using this portal that's opened up in the ground. I'm speaking of WhatsApp, and you already mentioned that you were interested in setting up a router just to keep everyone yeah. informed and connected. How do you read your news? What are your main sources that you use, whether it's social media, mainstream news? When I'm not here, I tend to turn on Al Jadid live stream. I'm sure everyone has mentioned that. I think it's really kind of the go-to. There's been Megaphone. I can rely on Megaphone for short snippets and uh, an alternative to mainstream media. 
But other than that, I think most of the news has been through those two sources. I'm not on social media, but I do check the Reddit just because I think it's really interesting. I mean, I joined Reddit a little bit before the revolutions, and I think I got into 10 arguments on Reddit with our Lebanon subreddit because everyone was so complacent and so lethargic and cynical. So all my arguments were about like, we need to be doing something. And to see the complete and utter reversal of the community, meaning it's that community is really spearheading a lot of the memifying and the and the jokes, and they have a daily roundup of what's been happening and what needs to happen. Just seeing that has been so eye-opening and kind of, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I find myself really laughing at this, but it's quite hopeful to use a really overused word. I, I don't think hope is the most important thing right now. I think it's perseverance. We must persevere. Even if it looks bad, we don't have another option. My last question, that would be looking forward. If you were a year from now, looking back at this moment of our history, what do you think people will remember or what would you want them to remember? I would really hope that something comes of this. I would really hope, I mean, I, I don't know if you've ever heard older people talk about May 68 with such nostalgia and such reverence for how the students were during that time. I mean. I would hope that we have the same kind of love for this moment, but I also don't want it to be a moment frozen in history. There should be something that comes from this. If anything, I think this moment shows that it is possible to break a system. It is possible to come together, to bust open identity politics, our government's and capitalism was not handed down by the gods. It's not divine rule. This is made by people, and people can find holes and rip the system apart, at least rip day-to-day -day quotidian happenings apart. You know, the way things are supposed to be, wake up or fall asleep. I don't know which is the right terminology, but you know, use a kind of dream logic, not the logic of capitalism. I would like to remember this as a moment that brought people together, where we shedded our sectarian skins and alliances and came to see the root of the problem. That's what I'd like to see. This as a new way of thinking. This is the time to be questioning, and I hope that we're still questioning a year from now. After a while, we chit-chat for a bit, and then she tells me that there are a couple of stories I should definitely hear. Something really funny happened to me the other day, and I think it's very telling. So I was, I was at home having breakfast, ready to go down to the Thaura, which is pretty much our day every day, where you just wake up, where am I needed, where am I needed, and run down, like throw any old clothes on. That day I was having breakfast, and I got a message from my student. It was something like this. Hi, professor. I saw you sweeping and cleaning. And I wrote her back and I said, oh, why didn't you come up and say hello? And she said, no, well, I saw you sweeping on TV. They were filming you cleaning the tents after they'd been destroyed. And I thought, if that's how I contribute to the photo, that's not so bad. That's it. If that's the way that I can contribute, that's it. And I'm not ashamed.
I'd said before that I was working at the professor tent and some other political tents. And there was a really, really revealing moment and that was when I was handing out croissants because there were these croissants donated to us by different individuals and a guy in an anonymous mask came and asked for a croissant. He actually asked me, what are these? And I said, hey, Zathar, hey, Shakoro, hey, Ajibnu. And as he was talking to me, he hadn't removed the anonymous mask and I didn't make much of it. But there was a woman kind of from the upper classes standing next to me saying something like, when you speak to a lady, please remove the mask. This is so impolite and so rude. Take off your mask. And I was mortified. I was so embarrassed and crushed because he very hesitantly removed the anonymous mask. And he kind of leaned in and whispered to us. Um, and he said something like, I live in Dahi and I don't want anyone on TV or any of the drones to pick up on my face. I don't want anyone to see me. The guys would kill me if they saw me here. And I told him it was okay. And I told him, put your mask back on. I don't care. Let's kind of really get rid of these notions of propriety and politeness. We are going through a revolution. This is not the time to be quote unquote civilized. And I don't know if you've been hearing a lot of that, but this has been the talk when it comes to closing streets. We really need to rid ourselves of that language because what the government is doing to us is not polite. It has no propriety. It's barbaric. That's barbarism, even if it's cushioned and disguised by the state, it's barbaric. So closing a road is not barbaric, it's not uncivilized. So I just thought that was funny. Even people on our side in this, it's so hard to get rid of past notions of what is right and what is wrong. Uh, yeah. Elia Haber, signing off from Martyr Square for the Beirut Banyan.